0: Stevenson centers, and the loose puck was put on. Rebound shot blocked. Now Eichel scores. The third rebound goes for Eichel.
1: Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at lvSportsNetwork.com. Marsha still right to the circle.
0: White Cloud shoots. He scores. Doing his best. Jack Eichel finds the
2: opening. Top shelf. Sharp angle for
0: White Cloud.
1: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your
0: hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
3: Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show. Fox Sports. Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace. Darren Millard. Chris Chapman. Live inside the Finley Chevrolet. Fox Sports. Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the...
1: We got training camp. Media day is out of the way. And tomorrow is the first on-ice sessions for the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the schedule will go like this. Uh, Plan accordingly. Team A will practice at 9 a.m. at City National Arena. Team B will practice at 11.30 a.m. And then Team C will go on the ice at 2 p.m. Three different groups uh, will be on the ice, and uh, yeah, you can head down there, take it in, and we will have the full report at 4 o'clock, which is about the same time that Bruce Cassidy We'll speak. He's going to talk at the end of the day, every day, uh, with all the workouts. And uh, we'll be able to uh, bring you some of uh, Bruce Cassidy and his opinions on the first day of training camp. And one special thing about the opening day tomorrow of the on-ice workouts is the general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, will meet with the media. And we'll also bring you a sizable portion of that as we get into the uh, on-ice part of the main Training camp by the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I, six.
3: I, I can't wait, really, because I, you, you get to be a rink rat, right? Like, it, we're going to get to the rink tomorrow at, like, 8.30, and we're not going to leave you and I until well after our show is done. So it, it's going to be a a full day jam-packed at the rink. you got three different sessions to look forward to. You've got everybody on the ice. I, I cannot wait for tomorrow. It's going to be in, incredible because we haven't had it. Right. We haven't had it. We've we've grown to miss those long extended days at the rink. I, I can't wait for tomorrow. Yeah, and the first
1: preseason game is just a couple of days away from us as yeah. well uh, on Sunday against the Colorado Avalanche yep. in Denver. So it's it's going to happen quick uh, with uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then mm-hmm. head off to to Denver for that game. Uh, some uh, things going towards uh, Kelly McCrimmon tomorrow will, uh, I'm sure, be uh, some of the conversation about uh, Nick Haig yep. and where the negotiations are there. I am hopeful. We'll get into that in just a little bit about our conversations and uh, what we're hearing regarding the uh, the restricted free agent defenseman. Also, uh, I'm sure a, a little bit about uh, what he expects from certain players, veteran players this season, and expectations for this group uh, coming off uh, the first time that they miss playoffs after the uh, just a ravaged uh, season of, of injuries. And from a Bruce Cassidy standpoint, tomorrow. Uh, Looking forward to what he puts out there. His groups are one thing, the three Mm -hmm. different groups. And you're going to have NHL players mixed with uh, minor league players, AHL players, uh, as well as uh, uh, any type of uh, players that have amateur uh, availability. Uh, But also we're going to get our first look at what he's eyeing up as far as combinations. Yeah. Today is our day. To forecast. <laughs> yes. During the five o'clock hour, hour number two, we will bring you what we... A combination. Mine are a combination of what I'd like to see and what I expect to see. Uh, I don't know whether you went down the, the same road. Uh, I have a little bit of a hard time trying to get inside heads of, of people, but uh, there I do have some intel or... <laughs> Spidey senses. Of course, about you do. What I'm expecting uh, regarding tomorrow, I'm not always right on this. Yeah, but uh, but that's what I'm going to. do. Uh, we're going to bring Brian McCormick on in just a little bit. Okay. The voice of the Henderson Silver yep. Knights. He was uh, calling all the uh, rookie tournament, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, prospect tournament in San Jose. We'll uh, we'll get an idea of uh, who stood out for him.
3: Yeah, that that'll be fun to to kind of pick Brian's brain a little bit uh, and and put you know the the big bow on the rookie tournament as we turn our attention to main camp, which. You know, again, you talk about three sessions. Uh, the the lines are interesting, and you know, I I didn't necessarily approach it from trying to get in the head of Bruce Cassidy. I, I'm with you. I, I don't really like to do that much. I think that the way that I approach the lines is is simply what I can see happening, what I think the most likely course of action to to have a a strong top nine and, and to keep that energy unit on the fourth line intact. That's the approach that I. Took. The most
1: likely course of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That translates to you getting in the side of the head of Bruce Cassidy.
3: Uh, not, that, not, that's the same no, thing to really. me. No, the the most likely and what Bruce wants are not necessarily mutually exclusive. It's most likely to me, based on what I've seen of the Golden Knights over the last three, four, five years, mm-hmm. right? Bruce is approaching this from a completely different place like what what's likely to me what i envision as most likely could be completely different from where bruce is going to go
1: sounds like you're pretty close there like we're talking parallel lines and they're the width of a train track that's what i'm
3: that's a weird getting analogy a,
1: parallel lines and a train track they're pretty close i mean
3: i get it but it's it's that's i've never heard it before but hey He's I got a lot of coming that. through with, with I weird got a stuff lot today.
1: Of uh, of that, what's the biggest story on the eve of on ice sessions? The most dem-
3: uh, okay. Um, you would think I'd say goaltending, but I'm not going to say goaltending. To me, when it comes to the Golden Knights this year, it's going to be kind of the 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 the, the configuration up front, where they're going to line up, who's playing with who up front, and. More to the point, who's going to be that forward that I think the mm-hmm. Golden Knights need? We've talked about Brendan Brisson, we've talked about Sakari Man and we've talked about maybe Michael Amadio taking on a bigger step. I really think the big question coming out of this is whether it be in a third-line capacity, whether it be someone pushing into the top six— you're going to need a winger mm-hmm. to to stand out, to take that job, to seize that opportunity. That's the big one for me. Is that the same as the biggest story going into training camp? Yeah, well, to me it is because I think they need to score. It is. I, I and and I know goaltending is going to be a question, mm-hmm. but I, I trust in Bruce Cassidy's defensive prowess and and what he's been able to get out of his teams, even if it takes time. I think the Golden Knights are going to be able to cut down on. Great A scoring chances against, I think they're gonna be fine from a goaltending perspective. I don't think they're going to lose games because the goaltending is going to be a question. the, the to me, it's gonna be about scoring enough goals to win hockey games.
1: I've had a very interesting experience the last week where I spent Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. last week part of the NHL Media Tour, and I was with a lot of folks from a national sure. perspective. Uh, Then I was at the broadcast meetings in New York, and that was like all 32 teams represented, and you're talking to broadcasters uh, and team personnel from every corner of the National Hockey League. So I I have a a large, uh, uh, well-educated opinion on what the rest of the world is looking at with this team right now. Mm -hmm. I I wonder if it's the same as we locally and on the ground in the Valley uh, are, are looking at this team. And it does all revolve around goaltending, first mm-hmm. and foremost. The question that you're asked every time I run into somebody from the Rangers or the Blackhawks or uh, the Florida Panthers—these uh, are all people that I talked to mm-hmm. o- over the last uh, last week—and and, and more—is, "Hey, who do you think is going to be the goalie?" That that is without a doubt swamps every other story. Mm-hmm. We're not going to know that for a while. Sure. But it is the biggest story coming into training camp. Probably on the outset tomorrow, it will be balanced with Nick Haig and -hmm. what his status is uh, towards Kelly McCrimmon and and what the forecast is with Nick Haig and the uncertainty of whether or not he's in camp. And I should caution everybody, he hasn't missed anything yet. Other than his picture being taken and some interviews being done. But he hasn't missed anything yet. So the deadline, the actual deadline, uh, as far as mile markers, mm-hmm. is is tomorrow. And I've seen deals come together. Sure. And the player all of a sudden show up for uh, his, his particular ice time. So you're not nervous? Not yet. There's three ice times tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 30, and two. So you won't be nervous until four? Once the two o'clock ice time passes, yeah. we got a mile marker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But uh but as far as as story the biggest stories or topics around this team going into this season are goaltending and Nick Hay, right off the bat. Then you start sifting through uh the the forward combinations and that's going to be everybody's uh, Twitter uh, go- to right after that tomorrow mm-hmm. is who are the the lines in the three different groups uh, that that will be certainly the case. That's a step down. Mark Stone's availability, his health uh, uh, that will be uh, a question uh, or topic that uh, that will be followed up and he looks good. Uh, Phil Kessel mm-hmm. uh, that will be a story. We'll get into uh, Zachary Maddenin. Uh That that will be a topic. Brendan Bersan will be a topic. Fortunately, we'll get a, a jump start on that with uh, with Brian McCormick in just a little bit. So there's a lot of uh, discussion points that we'll eventually get to. But I do believe the two big ones are Heg and that goaltending question. And I'm swayed by that because of the time that I spent with the folks from uh, around the national hockey league in the last week.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, not I not understand to have an what answer. We're not going to have an answer, Ryan. I, I you know, I understand what you're saying. I, I feel like the lion's share of what we're going to, to discuss over the course of the next two weeks is going to center around this team offensively, what their line look, what their lineup's going to look like and power play to a certain extent. One of the things you, you didn't mention there is power play. Like that's, To me this year, it centers around enough scoring that that's how I'm looking at this Golden Knights team. And, and we've kind of gone through it, right? We've talked about, you get a, you get a monster year out of Jack Eichel, Mm. which is what the expectation should be. You get Mark stone bouncing back and healthy. The expectation is he's going to put up some numbers, but at some point you're going to have that, have that question of where does the next wave of offense come from this team? Are you getting enough to win games? is the big story. The way that I'm framing it, the way that I'm looking at this team, offense is going to be the thing that I'm most interested in.
1: Can I just tell you right now, mm-hmm. cool your jets on the power play. I mean that as a friend, as a colleague, mm-hmm. because of something that uh, I know from from Bruce Cassidy. Sure, it's, He's not going to put a lot of focus on the power play right off the bat. There's going to be a lot of system work, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of... Uh, Attention drilled into five-on-five play. And as camp goes on, he's going to start diving into the power play a little bit more. But initially, the power play is not going to be a focus of this team. So when it comes to Sunday and then into next week, Mm -hmm. when we talk about man advantage and the impact of Bruce Cassidy, you're not going to see it because they're not going to work on it. Right, right away. So that is going to be just a story that is a non-story, really, Mm -hmm. until they start to emphasize it with the players and and do the reps in in practice. So I'm not saying cool your heels because it's it's not a story and we, we shouldn't be talking about it. We can't really talk about it. Until they
3: well, I, until they start to, to really dive into it. I mean, it. I wouldn't expect that you're going to spend too much of your time and resources with the first couple of couple of days of camp. With, I've seen with, it. I, I I would make the argument that it, it would be not time wasted, but you, ha, you have your resources. They're limited. I, I'm with you there, but it, it will be, or should be, a story of this training camp. And, Tell you what, and in the last season. five
1: days before the regular season opener? Mm-hmm. It's a story.
3: Oh, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent, right there. And with that's
1: you. when we can we can really get, start looking at units.
3: So, so it's goaltending for you. Goaltending and Hague, two
1: biggest stories tomorrow. For that, that I think that uh, that Kelly McCrimmon and Bruce Cassidy are going to be talked about or talking about uh, tomorrow when they greet the media. Those will be the go tos Chapman.
0: Well, I, I I was initially when when you mentioned the question, my initial thought was Nick Hig, right? Because that's the I th- I would say probably the most important story going into training camp, because we don't really have any kind of Just
1: what's the update? What, yeah, where we, are we, we, we don't have a timeline,
0: yeah. so no. so I think that's that's a pressing question, and I I would say that the health of Mark Stone is probably right up there with it, because I mean we we've kind of gotten I don't want to say mixed messages about his health, but we don't really know for sure, 100%, if he's going to be skating tomorrow. Um, so, so I think that those two are, are probably big stories. Um, which one's bigger, I, I don't know. Uh, but certainly the Nick Hague one really pops out to me because we, we just don't have any update, any idea. You know, if you repeat re, re, read some various reports, they're not close, supposedly. So I, I it's think just, that, 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 that is a that big story. That stuff
1: changes so
0: fast. And it, you know, and yeah. like I said last week, too, like, I'm with you. I'm not worried. In fact, I wouldn't start to worry until he starts getting close to October 10th or 11th when we have that first regular season game. Like That's when I would start to, oh, okay, well, maybe this isn't going to get done.
1: Do you think there's leverage, Ryan, on either side when it comes to Nick Haig?
3: I mean, I think right now the leverage lies with the organization because I I I believe that there are defensemen that if given the opportunity will do their best to, to try to seize that, right. To seize that spot, to, to prove that they're everyday NHL players. And if that's the case, then it becomes detrimental to the player to not be there. and, And in that competition, especially with a new coach, where it can tip is if those players, or if that, that kind of, groundswell of players you think can come in and fill that spot, falter or struggle a little bit. But are you going to get enough of that in camp? I don't think so. I, I think that it it can change once you get into actual regular season games and the results do matter.
1: I agree with you that the heart rate if you're going to measure it either sure. from the organization or the player side, the heart rate is higher on the player side. Should be. Going into this. But I, I think of that for a different reason than than you. Mm. Uh, one, the player missed some time at the end of the year. Yeah. And sh- does not want to be in a position where they are playing catch-up at the start of this season. Yeah. Uh, number two is a new coach and what their designs are uh, on this team and combinations. And then number three would be uh, just a, a young player missing any time at all in a structured environment of a National Hockey League camp, mm-hmm. uh, that that affects people. It, it can affect them differently. I don't think it's a it's a big hindrance uh, physically for, for Nick Hag because he has been uh, with the guys leading up to uh, this training camp. But if it goes on any length of time it can have an impact. So um, my reasons are different, but I'm with you in the same sense of, uh, I, I think the urgency mm-hmm. to not miss time is with the player side.
3: Yeah. And and that's just kind of, you know, we, we kind of arrive at the same place with, with a little bit of a different philosophy, but it, the longer it goes in training camp, I, I think the more that urgency should pick up for the player, you know, because you, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to get that time back, hmm. right? You're not going to be able to get these dedicated focus practices and what Bruce Cassidy wants from you, is expecting from you on a daily basis if you're missing them. And so the, the further into preseason you get, the the less opportunity you have to get into that game shape, to get into a couple of preseason games, to get yourself tuned up for the regular season. And, you know, to be to be honest, like this is kind of, the way that I view this season for Nick hag like this is a big one for him right depending on what happens with the contract if it's a shorter term deal you're playing for your next one and you want to be able to really fit in seamlessly and and take your game to another level
1: yeah I just I from Nick hag's point of view understand why sure Every last dollar. Yeah. And projections, uh, where he was drafted, what he did in junior, what he's done as a pro, uh, that potential mm-hmm. exists. I get it. Uh, this is a team that uh, that is up against it uh, with a salary cap. And the other part of it is we- we've seen players coming off entry-level deals get big dollars. And... I am not sure that's the way the CBA was ever aimed to to work. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be entry level, bridge big deal. Sure. Now, some general managers have changed their philosophy on that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Others have 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 not. We've we've seen different sides of that with with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights mm-hmm. in giving out uh long-term deals uh off of uh second contracts. Uh but as far as as really hitting the gold mine in the golden age. Uh, see, ready there. Uh, I, I'm not sure that they're, they're there right, uh, right now. Uh, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we continue, Brian McCormick's gonna stop by. Uh, I have a great story about Brian McCormick uh, that I just found out about that I will tell you when it comes to. Uh, a high-profile national hockey league and a connection with Brian. And we'll also uh, find out about the next wave of the uh, Golden Knights coming off the prospect tournament uh, in San Jose. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Legal Minute with Sam and Ash, going to discuss the Kyler Murray situation over at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, Murray has offered a quote uh, today, first time that he's talked about that uh, incident, Uh, so we'll get into that in just a little bit with uh, Sam and Ash and the Legal Minute on the VGK Insider Show, but uh, right off the bat here on segment number two, it is Brian McCormick, uh, voice of the Henderson Silver Knights who just called the prospect tournament in San Jose where it was a win a loss, and an OT loss, uh, shoot-a-loss for the, uh, or, uh, yeah, shoot-a-loss for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So, 1-1-1, uh, one, 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 uh, what did you take from that uh, performance, Brian?
2: Hey, guys, how you doing? First of all, Darren, uh, I'm sitting at your desk. I hope you don't mind. I'm over at CNA. I need a place to park, so I'm just going through your drawers, moving <laughs> things around. Uh, but thank you for being so hospitable. Uh, it was a great weekend on the ice. Uh, a lot of fun to get to know some of the younger guys. Uh, definitely a good showing for several of the the 2022 draft class uh, members. And uh, Kelly McCrimmon said during the weekend, he said, you know, you want the new players here, you want them to work hard and and get acclimated to, you know, the pro game and the pro atmosphere. And he said the guys who have been here a couple of times already, you want them to stand out, pop a little bit, and, 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 uh, you know, take over in certain instances. And two of the elder players who had a chance to do that and certainly did do that, probably the the two most – eye-poppingly solid VGK prospects during the weekend were Leighton Ahac and Caden Korzak, who were on a pairing together through the two games that they played. Uh, they looked mature. They looked grown up. Uh, so I think those are two players that uh, management was very, very happy with through the weekend.
3: And how how important was that for for those two players kind of going into main training camp that starts tomorrow, uh, you know, with, with perhaps uh, an opening on the blue line at the main club?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it was important in the sense that you want to be able to, uh, if you're in a position where you're an older player, a more experienced player, especially surrounded by a portion of the uh, of the group that are not experienced, and that you would understand if there were some butterflies or some uh, you know discomfort of of getting yourself uh, situated with players you've never played with before. If you go in there and you're expected to be the players taking command, well, you better do it. Uh, and they did just that. Whether it was uh, you know, leading by example or just playing good minutes and then playing 200-foot hockey. So I think it was important for every player this weekend to get the wheels going this week, have a little bit of game action, get a little bit of a head start in uh, being introduced to Bruce Cassidy's system because uh, Bruce and his coaching staff were there along with the rest of hockey operations. And part of this weekend was, uh, in bits and pieces, introducing some of the systematic wrinkles that, uh, that Bruce will want this year that uh, maybe were different than Pete DeBoer's system last year. So they're going to have a little bit of a head start on some of the homework, which is nice. Um, but for players like Ahak and Korzak, you're expected to be among the better players. You're expected to be uh, the, the leading type. Uh, they were just that. And, and again, it was uh, the word I used was mature. It wasn't just that they were good. It wasn't just that they were making good decisions or whatnot. There was a little bit of swagger there, too. And there's you know I guess there's good swagger and bad swagger. This was good swagger. This was in control. This was knowing that the game shouldn't be too big for you, and it wasn't. So, you know, it was they were impressive. They were fundamentally sound. Uh, but they brought a calmness as well that, uh, you know, in, in, to reflect what you just said, Ryan, like they're ready for main camp. For some guys, this is a, uh, a, a bit of a, an introduction and a little bit of a, like a syllabus week, I suppose, in some ways. For AHAC, Korzak, guys like that, you know, they're past that point. And they look like they were past that point, ready for main camp.
1: If anything's ever discovered in and around my desk, I'm blaming you.
2: Just so you I'm know. just saying, I, it's a, it's an interesting collection you have here. There's a Tamagotchi, there's an entire case of <laughs> Dunkaroos, the entire DVD set of Murphy Brown. It's random, but this is like the Ark of the Covenant. It's amazing what I'm finding in here.
1: I love Murphy Brown. Are you kidding? Uh,
2: I want to,
1: throw, I to <laughs> throw out a couple of names. Uh, I'll throw out one, and Ryan will throw out one, and then we'll have a tiebreaker at the end. Just a of players uh, on the course of the weekend. But, sure. Uh, uh, you can go. I'll, I'll give you a choice between Brisson and, uh, and Dean.
2: Brisson, yeah, you know, I'll go Brisson. Brisson scored twice in his first in the first game of the weekend, uh, and one was patented Brisson, one was go to the net Brisson. It was a power play, a bit of a broken play, but Zach Dean was able to bump him from between the hash marks to that right face-off dot one timer for Brendan Brisson. So we've seen that a lot. I think we're going to see that a lot. Uh, he has an NHL release. He has an NHL shot. Uh, it's a matter of you know rounding out the rest of the game, like any any young player. But you know he looked good in game one uh, and was involved throughout. Uh, Zach Dean, I know you told me to pick one, but Zach Dean moved the puck well. Wasn't I guess as flashily uh, involved offensively, but played wing in game one and center in game two. So they gave him a look in a couple of different lanes. But uh, again, for a guy who uh, didn't get much ice time during development camp, still rounding out his game, looked comfortable.
3: I'll throw out Mason Primo.
2: Mason, you know, he's interesting because he's another one of those older guys who's starting to, you know, you, you want to have a little bit of jump, a little bit of flash. Uh, I thought he was uh, good in games uh, two and three. Uh, game one he was fine, but I think he was more noticeable in two and three. But, you know, he's got size, he's got length. And last year with the Silver Knights, uh, you know, becoming a, a full-time AHLR, if you will, he was with the, a- the HSK in their first season, but as a 19-year-old was in and out and, you know, towards the bottom of the depth chart. Uh, I think this is a a big year for him as he you know he's gotten stronger. He's got size that is is hard to match up against. He's going to have to be a nose to the net uh nightmare to play against in front and in forechecking presence. Uh and as the weekend went along he had a, a lot more conviction in those areas.
1: Joe Fleming <laughs> is number 3. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Joe Joe Fleming is a personality and a half. Uh I know there's a video went around of him doing uh the uh the pregame lineups, uh, he's he's a lot of personality. He's chatty. Uh, he's physical, and not just drop the gloves physical. He stepped up and threw a couple of big hits. Uh, he, he throws his weight around on the back end. Uh, obviously a young player and still rounding out all areas of his game, but he's not afraid to throw his weight around. Uh, and uh, if you saw, it was on the uh, the VGK social channels. They had a mic'd up with Zach Dean. Uh, I don't remember if it was Zach who said it or the guy next to him, but I think it's something that's the something the lines of like, Man, Joe's always talking, but you love him on your team or something like that. He's definitely—he's <laughs> uh, an entertaining character, uh, but he—he uh, he hits like a freight train too. So he was—he uh, had everyone's attention in games one and three when he was out there.
1: He—he's never going to be overlooked in any room.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. He, well, yeah, because if he's not doing something that draws your attention to it, he'll say something prior to draw right. your attention. Yeah. to he's—he's he's, uh, he's a cameraman's dream, I think that's for sure. Very uh, and a uh, nice kid.
3: Now, I do want to just kind of focus in on goaltending from over the course of the weekend. Isaiah Seville and Jesper Vickman, they shared the duties. Uh, kind of your impressions of uh, the, the goaltending tandem for the Golden Knights and in, in really where it's at from an organizational standpoint.
2: Sure. So, yeah. So, Isaiah Seville had Game 1 and then Jesper Vickman had Games 2 and 3. Uh, and in Game 1, Seville was exactly what we saw at the end of last season in Henderson, which is just... Very, very steady, calming, great rebound control, just kind of matter of fact. So, you know, he was uh, exactly a, a, a continuation of what we saw last spring where he won his last six decisions in a row. Uh, for Jesper for Vickman, boy, was he busy. Uh, and Isaiah Seville was busy in the third period of his game. But Jesper Vickman, I think he faced something like 15 shots or something in the third period against the Kings. Uh, I know he faced, I think, eight or nine shots in overtime when the uh, Golden Knights were shorthanded for the entire five minutes against the Kings. So, uh, great battle level, great uh, – he's got quickness. Uh, and, you know, from an organizational perspective, if you look at the depth chart, obviously Robin Leonard is injured. Uh, Larembra Swaz working his way back. Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are going to be in camp this weekend, Push uh, this week pushing each other. And then, you know, a tier below that, you've got uh, Yuri Patera is now going into his third pro season and, and was – pretty much the starter towards the end of last year. Uh, Michael Hutchinson is going to be with him, a veteran goaltender who's been around a a lot and has NHL chops. Uh, And then, you you know, you you can imagine if if Vickman is in juniors again, Isaiah Seville, wherever they decide to put him, he was great in the American Hockey League, but I'm sure uh, what's important for the organization for Isaiah Seville just out of college is that he gets as many reps as they can possibly get him. So whichever net is going to provide the most opportunity for him to get as many looks as possible. I'm sure that's where he'll end up. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot of youth. Seville and Vickman are both fifth-round picks uh, and both you know making that uh, that professional turn uh, for Vickman sooner than later. Um, and, and both of them were, were very much bright spots. And well, what was overall a pretty bright weekend for the Golden Knights prospect pool, um, but goaltending might have been the, the greatest position of strength over the course of this weekend for that tournament
1: want to have some fun with you at the end. Uh, it's Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. But you mentioned something earlier that I won't, just want to get clarification of. Okay. Good, good swagger and bad swagger. What What is bad swagger?
2: I mean, bad swagger is cockiness, is arrogance. And, of course, we see that, you know, if if you can back it up, you have whatever personality you want. Does that make a good definitely. swagger? I think good swagger, good swagger to me is, Is confidence, but confidence that comes with composure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone who knows he belongs in the room and can lead, but isn't uh, cock of the walk about it, if that makes sense. It's a hard thing to describe on the spot now that you put me in there. It's it's one of those you know it when you see it things, I suppose. But, you know what? I I put it this way Leighton Ahak and Caden Korzak look like adults. Okay. You might have guys out there who are uh, are more concerned with their their touchdown dance than they are with what happens between the whistles, and that's going to be bad swagger in my mind.
1: What do good I swagger? have? What do I have, Brian? Uh, you have charisma.
3: It's a completely <laughs> different category. <Ooh. laughs> well that was done. good. That was good. That's not where I was going to go. That's but that was aggressive.
1: <laughs> uh, on the subject of swagger, PK Subban announced his retirement yesterday.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, he did. Can you tell these guys the connection that you have? With PK.
2: Well, <laughs> well yeah, you know, my my connection with PK Suban is one of those ones where uh, we had an interaction in our youth that I remember vividly, and that he doesn't remember for us. It was one of the least significant moments of his life, and a cool a cool story for me. You guys went to uh, hockey school together. We went we went to a uh, a hockey uh, a camp a summer camp in Toronto, yeah. um, and That's I just cool. remember. I think he, I, I, I shame on me even not know off the top of my head, but I think he's a year younger than me. Um, point is, he, he, one of the younger kids uh, was in the groups with us. We were, I think I was 12, so he might have been old, 10 or 11 or whatnot, but uh, out there buzzing around, and, and he had some, some swagger for sure. But uh was, was well-known. He was like, oh, this is one of those you know, up-and-coming Canadian kids or whatever. So, you know, scrappy, feisty during camp, whatnot. Uh, you know, you leave camp, you go on with your life or whatever, and a handful of years later we're watching the game. Uh, and my friend who I went to that camp with, you know, childhood friend, his dad calls us. and says, "Are you watching this?" It was uh, it was PK Subban's first or second game or something like that. I'm like, yeah. And he says, "You don't remember him from camp?" I'm like Parnell? Is that Parnell? Yeah. So yeah, he wasn't PK at the time, I guess. But I'm yeah, yeah, Carl. PK Subban was was at camp. Uh, at least uh, you know that, those are the dots I connected. I don't think I'm incorrect. Um, but that was yeah when he was ten or eleven before the uh, the fame. Uh, he was just the the best underage kid at uh, at uh, hockey camp and in you Toronto. Guys,
1: you guys are about the same age. You went to a hockey school together, and now like he's retired, and you're still working your butt off.
2: Yeah, but I mean, all indications are he's probably going to work his way into the media field now, so he's going to be. He's gonna be the young guy challenging me in my field again.
1: Oh yeah, you. you but you've got a, a leg up how, on him here.
2: How how many how many different times in how many different settings can I be overtaken by Parnell? It's haunting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> enough, PK. Enough. Enough. Uh,
2: this, he's, he's chasing me forever. It's it's, it's uh, <laughs> I'm I'm always looking over my shoulder for Parnell.
1: He's got a beef with Brian. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that's obvious. Uh, uh, McCormick, uh, this has been awesome uh, bringing us up to date as we head into main camp with uh, all the. Uh, prospects with the Vegas Golden Knights. I uh, appreciate it, and can you put my stuff back where it's supposed to be?
2: No, I'll put it, I'll put it back it. where it's supposed to be, but I'm going to move all the bookmarks.
1: Uh, <laughs> the, as long as you don't disrupt what episode I'm on in the series, I've got the whole series uh, of Murphy Brown.
2: Yeah. Darren, you, you, uh, about a month and a half ago, we said you and I were going to start the VGK uh, right. Broadcaster Group Movie Club. We've yet to watch a single movie, so we got to get going.
1: Ex- exactly. I get the first choice. Murphy Brown, marathon. Uh, Thanks, buddy. Be good. Thanks, guys. uh, Appreciate it. Brian McCormick uh, doing us a great favor by telling us uh, exactly what happened in San Jose and giving us uh, the ground floor look at uh, what's going to happen from a prospect standpoint of the Vegas Golden Knights main camp. We've got an update on the Kyler Murray situation that occurred at Allegiant Stadium uh, the other day, the Raiders and the Cardinals, and that ties into our legal minute with Sam and Ash. It's coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
0: It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. All right, uh, this is awesome because we were going to talk about Kyler Murray and the situation at, at
1: Allegiant Stadium the other day uh, against the Raiders. And then lo and behold, we get uh, we get an update on the development and the alleged slap uh, with uh, Kyler Murray coming out and saying, no hard feelings. First time he's talked about it since the incident. He uh, came out today and said, no hard feelings. As we jump into our legal minute with uh, Salmonash Law, SalmonashLaw.com. Here's Ashley Watkins uh, with us. Um, no hard feelings. Uh, that's... I was a little bit surprised at that.
4: You know, I think with the more and more angles we get of it, I'm not. I mean, for it to be a battery, it has to be offensive and uh, forceful and violent. And it wasn't. I think there's a colorable argument to say that the guy was just excited and trying to pat him on the, on the shoulder pads and be part of the action. It didn't look like an aggressive maneuver.
1: So where did it get blown out into a slap? Because I'm with you. It looks like a, a, a celebration. He was almost trying to tap him on the head or, or congratulate him. He was just uh, caught up in, in Kyler being in in the area with, with the fans. I'm not sure how it gets blown up to what it was.
4: I think Kyler's reaction blew it up. In the moment, Kyler flinched and flipped around like he was angry that someone had hit him. And so I think everyone immediately saw that reaction and just goes, well, he wouldn't do that if he wasn't hit and it wasn't offensive or violent. Like I don't. And so I just think as we're seeing more videos, even Kyler's like, eh, look, I kind of asked for it. It was a, it was a scene in the end zone after the end of a game. And it wasn't, it didn't look to be malicious.
3: Now you kind of, you know, you you hit on something about being in the end zone in, in you know, you're in a, in an opposition building too. Um, is there a degree of, of kind of responsibility or onus on Kyler Murray for putting himself in a position where errant hands things like that were going to be flying toward him and and does that kind of change anything
4: yeah it does because you're looking at reasonable behavior of what people are doing and it's it's a party it's a scene it's a sporting event and it's a celebration and those things are crazy and they're they get a little out of control and and everyone's excited but it it's not, it doesn't appear to be violent. So, yeah, but I think if this were to go to a jury, everyone would go to Kyler and be like, well, there's some level of assumption of risk.
1: Do you think that there would be any case here then for Kyler well, Murray to?
4: No, I don't think he was injured, so there's no damages. Um, and then on a criminal side, it, it again, it doesn't look like it was an, a violent or offensive touching and that's the critical standard and it just looks like a celebration and the guy missed
1: i think kyler should have come out and apologized or taken the <laughs> the heat off the, the the vegas fans i do and maybe, maybe apology is the wrong word but uh, it, this this thing lived for a few days and yeah, I, I- and it kind of painted the vegas fans in a in a bad light and once you look at it and you evaluate it it was it was nothing like it was portrayed, and it reflected poorly on on the Vegas fans.
4: Yeah, I, I it did snowball in the media and on social media, which naturally that's what social media does. And I agree, we we took a lot of flack for it as Raider fans, and I think the the right thing for Kyler to have done is go look. I, you know, I got hit in the face, and I reacted, but hey, what do, I, what do I expect going into the home team's end zone when I'm the away team? You know, I, I agree. He could have done more to say, eh, I, I blew it out of proportion. Yeah, n-
1: no big deal isn't the same as I overreacted and <laughs> yeah. bygones uh, okay. in, in reflecting. Go ahead.
4: I've got a question for you guys. Yeah. What, what do you guys think of the new center ice logo? I love it. I do too.
1: Yeah has has there been uh, discussion about it?
4: Yeah, I saw people on Twitter bashing it. Really? And I was like, "What? Well, I think it looks sleek. I'll take, I like it. I'll take
3: kind of monochromatic all day long. I like the simplicity of the of the design. But doubling down on gold this season, especially when I you're know. going back to when you're going to the gold jerseys full time at home, I think it's all synergistic. And to me, it works on a lot of different levels. Hey, we're
4: the Golden Knights baby.
3: We got to own it.
1: Gold Golden Age and it also, also <laughs> offers us a, a a camouflage effect if uh, from, yes. from center ice. I I'm diving into that. If we if we run some kind of face-off play <laughs> off the center ice uh, drop of the pocket the first second or third, oh, we've got it covered because uh, nobody can see us. But I, I think it's brilliant.
4: Oh, I love it. It's a great sneaky approach to it. So, we'll see if they implement any of those sneak
1: attacks. Have you ever uh like Put yourself into the ice makers. And uh, I, I, I know with some of the guys at City National Arena, they do the same thing down at T-Mobile. And I've watched them paint uh, either the blue yeah. lines and, 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 and then the center ice logo. Have you ever thought how difficult that was? Or do you think you could do it?
4: Well, I couldn't do it. But one, I have a, a really sad admission. I was at um, City National, and I saw them painting the ice logos at City National Arena. And I go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize they paint the ice white.
1: Mm, yes. Mm. I he, mean,
4: you? I was mind blown. I was like, of course there's a layer of white paint.
1: Because the of cement is gray, and a, you, you got to cover it up with, with with the white.
4: I thought the concrete on the bottom was white. So it, I, it was. I was mind blown. And that happened maybe a few months ago, where I was at one of the arenas when they were doing the ice logo painting. And... You know, it's just one of those silly moments where I was, I'm today's years old when I realized <laughs> they paint the ice white.
1: I, I'm, I don't think it's silly because Darren Elliott, uh, my buddy, uh, he, he, he helps run, run those rinks and he's going to be on t- tomorrow to tell us some training camp stories. I'm going to tell him, I don't know why they don't paint the cement white and then save themselves doing it every year. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I'm with you. On I don't that.
4: I don't know. <laughs> but I, hey, I'll, I, I'll, I think the logos look crisp. I love it and I you know, to all the people bashing it on social media I think it's an upgrade from the little flower we had last year.
1: I couldn't imagine uh, what the linesman would do if they went out and tried to call an offside with me painting the blue line and all painting outside <laughs> the lines oh, and the, the, the stray brushes here and there. Uh, it, would be, it would be difficult to do. Uh, hey, before we, we let you go, uh, I've got uh, just uh, something to say to you guys. You, you've been amazing. I had my accident and uh, went through the process and uh, you and, um, and Sam and uh, the group that you work with uh, went to bat for me and I can't thank you guys just wanted to do it publicly I can't thank you enough on behalf of my family and uh, uh, how you guys uh, took us under your wing and uh, made sure that uh, that everything uh, was going to be good for us uh, through this process so from the bottom of our hearts uh, thank you
4: oh well it's great to hear and you're absolutely welcome and you are family and we're, we're just lucky that we were able to get you the result we did so oh that was tough
1: our uh, our connection is beautiful. You are my lawyer. You come on here every week and you you do an amazing uh, job uh, having some fun with the law like we did today. But uh, sometimes it's real and uh, and you certainly uh, made it uh, made it happen uh, with uh, with. A- I'm still going to work uh, and I'm not retiring. I didn't I didn't get one of those judgments, but you guys made you guys made sure that I was uh, uh, treated uh, fairly uh, and uh, and able to take care of some bills that uh, that I needed to take care of. Uh, one more uh, before we go. Though, uh, you happy with the night race in Vegas uh, with the Formula One?
4: Oh, I'm stoked! You have to do a night race in Vegas. It's going to be fun.
1: I can't all imagine. All the lights, yeah, going down that oh. that street and and the 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 exposure to the world. It's just going to rock. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. I'm going to hang out with you guys all weekend, uh, Formula One. So just uh, count <laughs> I me. Love it. I, I'm your plus one. Don't don't let Chapman wheel into this thing.
3: Uh, I all. won't.
4: You got to pick a team though. Before you got to figure out what team you root for, and it better be Ferrari. Uh,
3: I, 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 there's your answer, <laughs> Darren. The, yeah, I'm
1: I'm fine with that. I, I'm good. good. Red, red's perfect. Uh, Bournemouth. Uh, thank you uh, very much, Ash. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, have a great week.
4: All right. You too. Bye, guys.
1: There's Ashley Watkins from Ash uh because you deserve what's right. Uh, Do. I don't know whether there's an apology coming. I don't think there's an apology coming from Kyler Murray, but I'm I'm with Ashley that just the way it was portrayed wasn't proper.
3: Well listen, I, I don't have any issue with the initial reaction of Kyler Murray in the moment. You get, you know, a, a face or a hand in the face, you're gonna turn around, you're gonna look around. But I, I would agree in that you don't let it blow up for four days before you say, eh, not a big deal. Yeah. Right? And maybe that's just looking at different angles. Maybe that's just damage control at this point. But it was much ado about nothing. And I, I think there might need to be something a little bit stronger than, yeah, it's all good yeah. coming from Kyler Murray.
1: 702-820-1234. Salmon Ash Injury Law. salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Our number two, our lines going into training camp are coming up on VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
0: This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at salmonash.com because you deserve what's right.